0: It's time to create better. Create better family, health, business, and self.
1: Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. This is where we share tips about business and parenting. Being a mom of three, CEO of the award-winning company, Easy Daisy's speaker and educator, you're gonna learn the tips and secrets of successful and incredible people. Elaine wants you to be inspired, challenged, and motivated, and that person you want your kids to grow up to be. This is Real Talk for Real Life.
0: Hi, welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table, where we talk about how to create better, how to create better family, health, business, and self. Today, I wanna ask you, are you someone who's thinking about writing a book? Have you always wanted to write a book, but just didn't know where to start? Well, you do not wanna miss today's episode, where I talk to someone who's written over 25 books. In fact, she has an online course to talk about how to write a book, and she will take us through those steps as well. Now. She is a friend and someone who I admire from afar and and have had the honor of having lunch with as well, um, introduced by another dear friend who is an author. So if you are someone who has that inspiring story that you want to share, you're someone who is a speaker, who people flock to you and say, where is your book, you want to listen to my guest, who is Anne Douglas. Ann Douglas is the Weekend Parenting columnist for CBC Radio. She's the author of a number of best-selling books um, about parenting, which is so primarily important in all of our lives, uh, including the book called The Mother of All Pregnancy Books. Her most recent books are Happy Parents, Happy Kids, and Parenting Through the Storm. Um, I actually did an earlier episode with Anne all about that. So. Definitely want to catch episode 90, where we talk all about parenting through the storm, which is so necessary and important right now as we are going through this uh, pandemic and how to help our kids have less anxiety. So that is episode 90, but let's talk about how to write your book and get your book out there. Here we go. I am just so thrilled to have this guest with me today. And I adore her. I'm a huge fan of her. And if you know anyone who ever wanted to write a book, if you've ever wanted to write a book, you need to listen and you need to meet my lovely friend Anne Douglas, and say hello to everyone. Hi, all of Elaine's people.
1: <laughs> they are your people too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing your lovely people.
0: <laughs> oh, and I, you are. I'm going to say, a master of so many facets in life. And you are an expert in parenting. You are a super mom of four kids. One who just got married a few months ago. Congratulations. And I I was just talking to Ann off off this line and I was saying, oh my goodness. So that happens. They get married. Our babies get married. Yep, Incredible. And they're going to start reading your books when they become parents as you are. If they, a, they ever become
1: parents. I, I figure it's it's always a wild card, especially for the up and coming generation, because you know there are a lot of things to think about right now when you're making that decision, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. And your kids are lucky. They have like the the hot hotline to uh, the <laughs> mom parenting experts. So that's that's a beautiful thing. Now, you are also a woman who has written over 25 books, and that is incredible, and And I want to, like, jump right into that conversation. When is it? When is it a good idea to write a book, and is there such a thing as when it's not a great idea? Like, let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. I think it might be easier to talk about when it's not a great idea, so let's start with that, and, okay. uh, and it's definitely not a good idea if you... um think of writing a book as a get rich quick scheme, because it's not. (laughs) There's so much hard work in selling every single copy of a book. And what a lot of people don't know is like, if you're traditionally published, your royalty is probably going to be something like 10 to 15% of the cover price. So you know, that $25 book, you're going to maybe make two, three, maybe $4 off that $25 book. So, you know, you start thinking about how many copies of a book you have to sell to uh, give you a return on investment of the time spent researching, writing, and so on, and the math will depress you. So you're better off not looking at the financial aspects of being an author and more looking at what do I want to contribute to the culture? What ideas do I want to put out there? How will this make my life better, and hopefully other people's lives better as well. I think it's that sense of purpose and meaning and, and, you know, being excited about something enough to want to spend a long time with it. And that reminds me of another thing. If you find something, even the least bit non fascinating, do not write a book about it, because you're going to be living with this subject matter for years. So you know, if you think you might get bored, not the book to pitch to anybody.
0: No, That that is all very valuable. Definitely not a get-rich-quick scheme or plan in writing a book. It could be a a get-broke-quick plan. Definitely the math can work that way. If you're listening and you're like, okay, I have have this great idea, or I just want to write a book so I can sell and make money, that is definitely not the reason to write a book. But if you have a a, a story, a, a passion, and people keep asking you to talk about this Passion of yours, perhaps, maybe this is the time. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking. It, yes. it took me, I think, eight years before I, I put something down on paper. And it was only because people kept asking me over and over to explain how I do what I do. And so, and I want to do that. I want to help. And, and it wasn't for making money. It was just like, you know what? Here it is. You can read it. I share everything. Go for it. <laughs> and exactly the same with the podcast. Now, let's just say, okay, we have a book idea. My listener is saying, I do have a book idea. I, I've actually started writing it and I, I wrote it on paper. In fact, I, I text it to myself and I've been emailing, emailing myself this story for over a year and I have the first draft. Now what? Is, is there a, a process of steps that a person needs to go through if they're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to write a book. Now what?
1: Right. Well, I should probably make sure people understand that at this point in my life, I've only ever written nonfiction. Um, So just in case somebody's written a brilliant novel, you may have to go off on a slightly different trajectory with that as opposed to sort of like traditional nonfiction publishing. And even if you've written like a memoir, you might um, have to go off on a slightly different tangent. My books up until now have been, you know, very much most of them about parenting. So sort of, you know, uh, how to raise kids or, you know, what pregnancy is like, that kind of thing. So the basic process for a book like that, which would be anything from, you know, a cookbook to self-help to like a travel guide or any number of other things that are very factually based. First of all, you're going to have your book idea and you're going to think deeply about that book idea even before you start writing. So maybe we're, we're going to, you know, have a couple people who've already got their 100,000 words in their in their computer at this point going oh okay well yeah it's a good idea to live a little bit with your book idea and look and see like is there actually a market for this, right? Like, and, and sometimes when you're scanning the bookshelves in a bookstore, you might notice that they're like a ton of books on this topic, or there are zero books on this topic, right? And so if there are a ton of books, that doesn't necessarily mean there isn't room in the market for your book, but you will want to be crystal clear about what would make this book unique and special. Like, I was not the first person to ever write a pregnancy book, believe it or not, Pregnancy books existed way before I ever sat down to write one, but I knew that there wasn't one that was really very Canadian in its first edition and very strongly written from the the voices and perspectives of actual women. Back in the day, a lot of pregnancy books were very expert driven. So you'd have an obstetrician telling you how to do pregnancy, but not sort of like the lives and experiences of women really woven into the narrative. So, So figure out what's different and if there are no books on a subject, some people say, hooray, that's great news. It means the world is waiting for my book. That may be it, or it could be that the like, the niche is so narrow that maybe there isn't going to be enough of a market to, you know, to traditionally publish a book because publishers are going to want to know that they could sell 5, 10, 20,000 copies of a book. And so let's think of how this could happen. Like maybe it's a cookbook of, you know, let's say Italian recipes. So slightly smaller market uh, for, you know, holiday celebrations and weddings in particular. For vegans. Yeah, with a particular kind of flavor, right? So, you know, you can see how you're just sort of narrowing the market more and more. And maybe by the time you get to that little circle, there just aren't enough people who would buy that particular book. And sometimes your instincts will say, I believe in this book so much. I'm I'm convinced I can make the case for the book. Great. Do it. Um, Because sometimes that's how brilliant books that people think would never sell find their way into the world. But other times you might say, wait a minute, if there's only, you know, like with that cookbook, what if it was meant also for Boston Terrier owners? I love Boston Terriers. That's (laughs) why that popped into my head. So, you know, (laughs) Maybe there's only four people then that that cookbook could serve the needs of. So maybe you've limited your market too much. So it's worth having that conversation with yourself because you're going to put so much time and effort into... Thinking through your book idea and then writing a book proposal, which is basically a business plan for your book that you're going to have along with one to three sample chapters. That's what you're going to send out to a, pot- a potential publisher or agent. So you're going to put a lot of work into creating those materials. I mean, for my most recent book that I sold, I spent about a month working on the book proposal and I didn't actually have a sample chapter just because at this point I've done enough books that most people feel confident that my book proposal will somewhat resemble my book. Um, But, you know, it is a big investment of time and energy and so on. So then just to, to give people an overview of the process. So then you send out the book proposal. And then ideally, the next stage is the book contract negotiation, where you're going to try to get the best deal possible for yourself. We can talk in a minute about whether you need an agent to help you with that or not. But this we're just walking through the stages for now. And then after all that, you finally have your, you know, your signed book contract in your hands. When you stop doing cartwheels of joy, then you have to pivot to actually starting to research the book. So that's another huge step. Like my, I'm working on that right now. And that's going to be like, about a year of my life and then at that point I'll be able to sit down and start writing then the book goes into production that will be about a year long of being edited and having it you know actually physically printed on the printing press and then the book is born into the world and then you have a couple of years of promoting or a couple of decades because even to this day I'm still promoting the mother of all pregnancy books which celebrated its 20th birthday last month
0: congratulations
1: Thank you. It's a long cycle. So this is why I said, make sure you love a particular idea because what if you have to spend two decades of your life with it? <laughs> yes. Yes,
0: indeed. Wow. It's like a child, right? You better make it is it. <laughs> definitely like a child. because <laughs> it's, it's with you for life. No, I, I love that. And I love that you, you broke it down and I was like writing it all down as you were going, um, sharing your, your thoughts and ideas. And I, I love that you said, your book idea, you, you, you have to make sure that there's a market for it. And because your book is a product, it is yes. definitely a product. It is your, your, your thoughts, your ideas, your wisdom that you're offering to someone. And, and I loved how you narrowed it down. Like, you know, you had this bigger bubble of, you know, it's an Italian recipe cookbook and now it's for holiday seasons, just for families and so on and so on and so on. And, and to make sure you know how your book idea is going to stand out. How is it different? How is it going to appeal to a certain niche of people? Because it has to. And it has to be desirable. But in, enough that, as you said, and I'm repeating what you were saying, the 5,000, 10,000 plus, 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 plus will, will want that idea, that book, that that you are sharing. And, and then you went on to share about writing a book proposal. Now this is gonna take me to my next question. So when you're writing a book proposal, that means you are not considering self-publishing, but rather you are approaching uh, an agent or a traditional book publisher. How do you know when you should consider self-publishing or approaching uh, a publisher? Right.
1: And it's definitely one of those things where you're going to look at a couple of different factors. And one is the size of the market. So let's say it was a collection of family stories. And, you know, these are brilliant, hilarious stories, but they're going to be particularly hilarious to the people in your family because they know the characters involved, right? And unless, you know, you have a celebrity in the family, there might not be a wider audience for that book. So I, I mean, at some point, I'm intending to inflict on my children, I mean, share with my children a lot of my own stories over the years and it'll be like a private thing right so it might only be a book that I write for uh, my four kids their partners and my husband maybe I'll let my sisters have copies but we'll see we'll see how (laughs) it goes that year Uh, but you know so very limited audience so that would be a perfect self-publishing kind of project and then there are other ones where let's say you're you're um, a visual artist and your book is going to be has a very specific look like you can see it in your head it's going to have your illustrations and the cover is going to come together in this way and you start trying to work with a traditional publisher and they say well actually we want to hire another illustrator we don't actually want to use your illustrations or you know or We don't see it as a hardcover, we see it as like a tiny little paperback, and you're like, that's not my vision for the book at all. In that case, you would want to have creative control, so it would make sense for you to, uh, you know, assume sort of like the responsibility for publishing the book. And another scenario that's very common is, let's say you're, you know, a brilliant inspirational speaker and you go to speak to, this is in old old times, okay? <laughs> you go and speak to large auditoriums full of people, not just 10 people, like now, but, you know, <laughs> Many, many, and that at the back of the room, people would line up and they'd be wanting to buy, you know, cartons and cartons of your book. Like literally, your staff would be exhausted because they were trying to hand out all these copies of your book and stuff. That would be another case where it would make sense for you to be the publisher because maybe 1% of your sales would happen through online retailers and 99% would be people who hear you speak at a conference. Why on earth would you hand over the, the majority of the royalties for a book when you're basically the sales and distribution arm for? the publisher so you can see that you have to look at the merits of each project and what you can bring to the table but i don't think enough people who go for self-publishing stop to consider the work because it's not just writing the book it's getting those books in the hands of actual people and that's how people sometimes end up with garage fulls of books you know and and that can be really disheartening because it could be a fabulous book But it doesn't have the distribution or it's hard to get it into bookstores. So really
0: important to think those things through ahead of time. Excellent. So that, okay, so now then, who is the person that should be approaching uh, a traditional book publisher? And how do you do that? Yes, well,
1: it seems like all my answers are complicated. And I'm sure I'm sorry if I've given people like a headache already. But when you're at this point in the process where you're trying to decide, like, how do I get my uh, project in front of a publisher, some publishers will only take agented submissions so in other words you have to get a literary agent to represent your work before you can actually contract a publisher and this is definitely the case for like the big huge name brand publishers because their legal teams are worried what if you send them a book idea and they actually had something similar in the works with another author you might accuse them of stealing your idea Mm -hmm. so they protect themselves by only having agents bring things to the table plus you know, they might get thousands of submissions a day, the agents will go through the the slush pile and just bring the most promising projects forward. So you can see why that is the case. But there's still a huge number of publishing houses where you can still represent yourself, which is really good news, because it's actually harder to get an agent than it is a publisher, simply because there are only so many literary agents that are, you know, in the business. But what you do in either case, whether you're approaching a literary agent or the book publisher directly is you send out a letter sort of introducing yourself and your project and asking if you could have their permission to send the book proposal because it's a lot easier for them to read a one-page letter than it is to get your book proposal and your letter and they might sit on that indefinitely and then you'd be like horrendously discouraged Mm -hmm. so Send that out, get them into action mode where they either want to see it or they don't want to see it, and then just keep the, you know, the wheels moving
0: forward. And so, Anne, would you recommend that people just Google this? Like, would they just Google literary agent or? Yes. Or would it, they I, get, like, Random House or yeah. Penguin um, Book?
1: There are directories that you can buy that list all the different mainstream publishing houses. Writer's Digest, uh, I know they've had some financial problems, and I think they've maybe been acquired by another press, but traditionally Writer's Digest produced these huge, thick, directories of publishing houses, and even places like the Writers Union of Canada, that's a good resource for finding out literary agents who are practicing in Canada. There's an Association of Authors Representatives, which is a US-based group that's like the umbrella organization for literary agents, and they actually have a code of ethics which is good to know about right because there are a lot of scammers who are you know who prey on the vulnerability of people who want to be authors and so you want to make sure you're working with somebody reputable a big red flag is are they asking you to pay a whole bunch of money for them to read your book uh, that's not cool. I mean, part of being a literary agent is you go through a lot of slush piles to find the gems that you want to help sell. You don't want to make your money just charging reading fees to authors.
0: Right. So, that, the only
1: time mm-hmm. that you should pay, like, be paying a literary agent to reimburse them for expenses is like if they, you know, if they have to courier copies of your book to somebody, almost unheard of now, right? Because of, hey, the internet. But, you know, there could be some physical costs associated with your project. That would be legit that they would ask you to pay them back for that, but not just like all these random editorial fees.
0: That, great, great points. And that leads me to then would you have three must-knows then for the, the listener right now who's saying, okay, is there anything I need to know before pitching my project to an, an agent or a publisher? Right. Mean, like three things, Anne.
1: Yeah, I think a big thing is why this book because they're going to want to know like, Oh, gosh, it's another cookbook. You know, Uh, tell me what's unique and special about it. Okay, so you have to have that hammered down. Um, Why this book right now, like maybe why it's so timely. And uh, you know what, maybe you can demonstrate that uh, there's some huge trend happening. Maybe there's a new TV show that's tied into this kind of cooking or something like there's a real opportunity. So it's timely. And why you as the author because you have to also not just sell the the potential publisher or agent on the project but on you as a marketable entity because you might have a brilliant book but what if you say oh by the way i forgot to tell you i'm a total recluse and i won't do any interviews or you know i don't want any you know any publicity kind of the <laughs> the death knell for any project so important to really bring those elements into the discussion
0: no, all very great points. I love that. Why my book? Why right now? Like, why is it timely to have this book out now? And why you? Why why you as the author? Beautiful. That sums it up so well, so well. I have a question on the side is if you've self-published a book, can you ever take that book to an agent or not at all?
1: you could i mean i think that we've all seen sort of success stories of best selling uh you know self published books that did ultimately find a way to a publishing house but usually it's because the author has a problem like uh you know i've already sold 200,000 copies of this book and my family is mad because we don't have a living room or a garage or anywhere to sleep anymore, because there are books everywhere. So I need someone to take over like the physical challenges of managing that. And then some publisher will say, oh, we're happy to take that problem off your hands and and take a lot of the money from that project. So yeah, so in that case, it might make sense to to take it over. But if it's a book that maybe had a market potential of 20 to 30,000 copies, and you've sold 10 or 15 on your own, you're only leaving them the crumbs at that point. So they probably won't be interested. What you could do is say, this book did really well on my own efforts. And you know, I was new to this thing. And I figured out a lot of things along the way, but I managed to sell X number of copies. And now I have a new project in mind. So maybe you can look at me as an established author who's learned a few tricks along the way in like evaluating the merits of working with me on this new book project. That's how I would tend to use it as like a launching pad to the next thing.
0: No, brilliant. You're making me think. Because I, I did self-publish, and I was exactly your point number two and point number three uh, when you were sharing, like, do you speak on stages? And do people, like, line up and ask you, like, where's your book? And I had that for a long time, for several years. People be like, do you have a book? Or they book me as a speaker and say, do you have a book? And yes. and I didn't. And so, you know, and I do a lot of consulting, and, you know, I, and I love helping people. And I love sharing my my, my experiences, my lessons and my scraped knees and, and how I picked myself up because if I could do it, you can do it. It's basically my story in, in creating a product and, and off our kitchen table and selling it uh, globally. And so <clears throat> your third point earlier was, you know, Are you speaking on stages and are people asking you and lining up for your book? And so, and yes, now I, I have a book and people just buy it. And the second one you had said was when the publisher wants full control. And I I didn't want that at that point because I I wasn't doing it for that purpose. I just wanted to get my point out there. And then, so I just did that self-publishing instead, but all I love, I love your your, your brain your heart and you just are so lovely and so full of wisdom so thank you for sharing <laughs> okay we're going to end it right here to keep this one short and sweet so if you want to hear the rest of my conversation with the amazing ann douglas stay tuned for the next episode